Good morning, and welcome to Zoom with Zarni. I'm Dustin Zarni, Democratic Elections Commissioner, and I'm happy to have uh, on my guests on today's program, Jason Belge and Jacqueline Lusand of the Syracuse Independent Redistricting Commission. And they are revealing on today's show their draft maps for the city of Syracuse uh, redistricting. This has been a long process that has been going on for months. Uh, they've been meeting. Uh, they had five public hearings where they took input from the public about what they want to see in their next maps. And they're releasing their draft maps. Uh, they released it yesterday in a press release at a press conference uh, at City Hall and uh, are sharing their thoughts with you on this program here today. Uh, it's a it's a fun time. It's it, This is how redistricting should be done by citizens doing it, getting input from the public. But please don't think that these maps are the final maps because they're going to have five more hearings, take more input, come up with a final draft, and that is the draft that will be sent. Uh, we'll they'll have a couple more hearings after that, and that'll be the draft that's sent to the Common Council. So uh, please stay tuned for the interview on that. Later today, on Friday, uh, May 20th, uh, we should be getting the final maps for Congress uh, and State Senate for the August 23rd primary. Uh, so, uh, you know, tune in this weekend. We'll go over that. I, I plan on doing a wonky Wednesday on that next week, uh, <clears throat> just to kind of talk about the differences between the two state Senate districts and the congressional district uh, that we saw uh, in these maps. The draft maps were released on Monday and the final maps will be on Friday. So we'll have to see how uh, these things shake out. It's uh, been a long process on that. And uh, then uh, the petition period will start for the for those maps for new candidates. Old candidates get on the ballot through a, a, a different process of getting their old petitions validated for their new districts. And finally, absentees are starting to go out for the June primary. That's the primary for a governor and lieutenant governor. Uh, on both sides of the aisle, on GOP and uh, uh, and, uh, um, uh, and 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 Democrats. So, uh, you know, if you need an absentee, go to onvote.net and request it. We will send it to you, uh, and uh, that'll be uh, what we're looking for. Uh, you know, that's what's going on right now in elections. Uh, and so, there's you know, city maps being drawn going to see some Senate and congressional maps being finalized. Uh, primary for governor and lieutenant governor are starting, um, you know, and, and that'll be in June. Lots and lots of activity over the next few weeks. So uh, stay tuned with me, but please stay tuned for my interview with Jason Balch and Jacqueline Lassonde, two of the commissioners for the city of Syracuse Independent Redistricting Commission, and their reveal of their first draft map uh, for uh, the redistricting inside the city of Syracuse. And I'm very happy to have my good friends, Jason Belge and Jacqueline Lassonde of the Syracuse Independent Redistricting Commission joining me on Zoom with Zarni. Jacqueline, Jason, thank you so much for coming on today. So- uh, Pleasure to be here. Oh, great. <laughs> I think, um, 
you know, I had your chairs, uh, John Hamlin and Molly, on uh, a, a couple months ago. And since then, you've had your first round of uh, draft, or uh, your first round of pre-draft hearings for the Syracuse redistricting. But I think it might be, uh, you know, a lot of people are confused because redistricting's out there right now. And, you know, you got the state maps going on, you have the county redistricting. So um, we'll start with you, Jason. Tell us a little bit about what is the Syracuse Redistricting Commission and what are you doing? So um, what the city redistricting is doing is something different than what the county and state did. Uh, they actually gave up some power and put the power to the people. So we have um, a 15 member uh, bipartisan from all walks of life citizen led uh, committee to put our heads together along with public input to get um, draw maps, uh, redistrict the lines, and hopefully make it fair and balanced for everyone. And Jacqueline, you, you're also on the on the commission, um, and I know you as a longtime uh, you know activist uh, you know in the area. But uh, this is the first time you're serving on a, a commission like this. Why did you um, want to join this city redistricting commission? Um, so I want to join so that I can get county did such what they did. With, I really became more concerned that I don't know we're not being heard or have some voices of people on being listened to, either confused or something else is going on, but it's going to affect us. So out of great concern. It let me throw my even if it that just somebody from different communities can you know, be voices of reason as we come together. We can perhaps kind of move the needle a bit. Something we were hopeful would happen in the county or perhaps trickle down. And Jason, you know, talk about the selection process. What was what was the selection process to put these fifteen random citizens together, um, and and how did you get in, involved uh, with with the commission? Sure. So I heard about it. Uh, I think I follow um, the mayor's office, like Facebook account, something along those lines, where I saw uh, looking for applicants. So I filled out an application, uh, submitted it. So this was back in. Uh, maybe January of 2020, somewhere around there, or, or 2021, I'm sorry. And um, I found out six months later that seven names were picked out of a hat. Um, the eligibility was uh, being able to, uh, living within the city for five years and voting in the uh, local elections three out of the last five years. So the seven names were picked out of a hat, those seven um, people met, looked at the other eligible applicants, put their heads together, and then the remaining eight were picked from there. And I was one of those remaining eight. Oh, so That's how I came to be on this committee. And Jacqueline, uh, were you part of the uh, original seven or were you part of the remaining eight that were chosen afterwards? They were remaining. So. So you have, so that's, I mean, that, that's different about this, uh, 
commission than uh, the other commissions is that you're not, it wasn't, you weren't appointed by politicians. They didn't put you in there. There was the random selection of random citizens at the beginning and those citizens picked the rest of you to kind of balance out the commission based on geography, race, all of the all of the other factors uh, that we have, um, right? And, and that and, you know, and that's how you, yep. that's how the commission was formed. So, um, Jason, you, the commission uh, has just you know, we're going to talk about that. You, yesterday, you released your maps, your your draft map, but let's talk about how we got to that process. So. What happened after you became a commissioner? What what were the what did you what have you guys been meeting for almost a year now? What what have you been doing? What have how have you uh, taking your approach to this process? Yeah, we started meeting. Uh, it was August of last year. Um, it started off as every other week, and it was uh, the beginning. Let's say the beginning five months or so, or beginning four months was more of our um, in house. What are our goals? What do we want to accomplish? What do we, well, without even looking at a map, without looking at the census, without doing any of that, we wanted to make sure um, our goals were aligned, which um, now that we came up with a map, I think we, our goals were very much aligned since the beginning. Uh, we stayed true to our values. We wanted to be open, fair, balanced, all those good buzzwords. And um, then we started doing, uh, uh, in March of this year, having public meetings where we wanted to be listeners. We wanted to hear what the public had to say. We, uh, us, um, 15 individuals on the commission, we come from all different parts of the city and we have our own ideas of what our neighborhoods are like or what neighborhoods we work in. Uh, but we wanted to hear from the public themselves. Um, so they gave us um, additional ideas. And then after those five open meetings, we then put our heads together again and through the different ideas from the public and ourselves, we started the process of grouping up neighborhoods and getting in with um, um, some of our, again, our values of being open, honest, transparent, um, contiguous um, <laughs> um, boundaries on a, uh, for the, for the, uh, the districts, uh, things like that. So we started putting our goals together getting our ideas together and putting that on the paper. So that just happened about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago with different drafts and we voted on it and then we finally released it. And I think we're very happy. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna release, we're gonna show those maps in a second, but Jacqueline, I wanted to get your thoughts about the process so far. What are some of the things that you, uh, you know, that, that uh, you have done over the last few weeks with this, months with this, almost a year, and, uh, and, and what was your impression of the process? Um, so we, yeah, we did have the long meetings and it was, uh, you know, sometimes in person, sometimes not. So the process, you know, early on, we understood that we, you know, this is the 10 year kind of, we, we need to pressure or the enormity of the situation we understood we needed to get it right and make sure that we had access to the public and they certainly had access to the meetings, understand what, as much as they could, what this process was gonna be about, the call and response, us just listening. So it was, um, 
you know, this is only round one. And Jason's right. So we, when the map came forward, you know, there were, again, we're concerned of how the public is going to view it and how, how, you know, we need their input. It's important to have their input so that we're not kind of guessing at what their concerns will be. So it's, um, yeah, it's been a process. Myself, I've been hitting the streets. So in addition to running a food pantry, all the flyers that we make are trying to be just bite-sized, interactive, kind of getting people to think about it and to understand it without intimidating them with processes and words over their heads. And so we now have to go old school. Besides Facebook and all the public domain, we get the flyers out. I visit my personal input is to visit the churches and you know half a minute feel on why this is important to come out and let's hear your concerns and your voices. And so it's um, you know it's been a a process and we all have taken it so personal because uh, we want the input and we want to interact and, and get it right. Well, I think uh, it's been a long process getting to this point. So I think we should uh, not wait any longer and let's reveal the draft map that uh, your committee came up with. I'm going to share my screen here. Um, and here it is. This is the new map for uh, the, the, the city of Syracuse. At least this is the draft map. Uh, Jason, uh, talk us a, a little bit about this. What, what went into drawing this map? You know, this is a little bit of a change from the old map. Um, what, uh, what, um, you, what did your committee decide? Uh, you know, why did you decide that, uh, uh, you know, that you've made some changes to the old map? What, why did you, what changes did you make and, and why? Um, so the first biggest one you'll see is in District A is a minority majority map or <laughs> district. I'm sorry. Yeah. So about 54% of the population in District A is African-American, which we are proud of, which we are voted on, which we got public input for. Uh, we didn't have to do that. We chose to do that. Um, so that was our um, kind of building block. Now we had some different versions of, of that minority majority district, but th that was our building block there. And then, and then we kind of started working around it. We wanted to keep um, like neighborhoods together, uh, kind of like buddy neighborhoods. So for instance, in district C, it would be Washington Square with the North side. Um, in district D, it would be Strathmore with Eastwood. Um, district E would be the university neighborhoods. And then in District B, the main um, feedback we received from District B was uh, putting Strathmore with Tipperary Hill. Um, and then along with District B, because it is the largest, um, when you look at square miles wise, um, it's also uh, putting downtown with Franklin Square and the Inner Harbor. So that, those were the uh, kind of our, our buddy neighborhoods, if you, if you want to say that. And, and then kind of just started building around that and it's a domino effect. You start drawing a line here, and it affects the line across the city. So um, kind of working with it, a lot of trial and error. But that's so kind of like the building block, I would say. So Jacqueline, let's talk about District A. Uh, I believe this is the district that you would live in 
if this uh, um, district, I think if I remember that correctly, maybe I'm wrong because I, I just got this a few minutes ago. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it brand new like everybody else is. But, um, you know, Jason talked about how District A, one of the things that the commission wanted to do was uh, have a uh, majority minority district or a majority black district, uh, which is what District A, you know, he says is. But, uh, tell us a little bit about District A. What was, uh, what was that, uh, um, what was that uh, like for you? What was, what is District A? Why is this is such a big change? Why was it important to make this change? So as, as we've been pointing out, it is a draft map, but um, it was important to try to get this right in terms of the shared interest. And so, the, for instance, the Strathmore folks, we they came and they did share concern that they, as far as common interests, they shared more with other district and they shared with my, yes, I am in district A. And so that did make sense to kind of figure out how not to make it such a, uh, uh, not to lump everybody together in other words and make it where it can be sensible yet kind of put them to wherever they would share more interest. And as far as our district A, um, it's important in terms of the voting block. Uh, we kept hearing the focus of being mindful of the fact that if you kind of water it down or kind of, in other words, crack it up, it would have the same or similar effects such as the legislative, legislative map had, which was that whole building block of the vote would be scattered you know, hither and yon and in different directions and the power of the vote wouldn't be centralized. So it's, you know, we're hopeful that others will, people from District A will come in and, and when we have these meetings again, starting Sunday and share their voice on what they see. But I thought for first try, it seems like we're, it, it appears like we're listening and it's really, different you're right it's different from what we've had or what was already there in place so um we're hopeful we were respectful of the fact that trying to keep that voting block and shared common interest together um and encourage more people to obviously to at least get out and vote because this is what happens and we are listening and jason why don't you talk a little bit about district b so district b you said uh you you got feedback that the uh, that the Tip Hill area felt that uh, they had more in common with Strathmore than with the North Side, which is what they were um, paired together with. So, talk us a little bit about you know the the thought process behind uh, uh, District B. Yeah, so um, District B started with. Uh, again, the, the, the buddy neighborhoods again, the Tip Hill and the Strathmore, and then we had downtown with Franklin Square. Um, looking at the census data um, in regards to that area of the city, it's also one of the least populated. So that's why it's the biggest area. We had to fill it up <laughs> with as many neighborhoods as we could to, to get to that, uh, that sweet spot of around 29,900 people. 
So when we started looking at like neighborhoods, we started looking at um, natural boundaries, for instance. Um, we also noticed that there's a, a strong um, Hispanic population that is just north of um, West Onondaga. We wanted to keep that um, shared interest together and not break up that voting block. Um, so that's kind of how we got to this area of the map um, on this west side is it, it started to make sense the more and more we heard from the public, um, from our own personal experiences, what neighborhoods should be together, what neighborhoods can, can naturally be together when it comes to natural boundaries as well. And, and it made sense to us. And, and that's kind of how we got to, to this area, this district B side of things. And uh, Jacqueline, I'd like you to talk about District C, the, the north side. I know there's been a lot of discussions about the north side because it is the most populous area and densely populated area in the city. And it was the area of the old map where um, it was overpopulated. And it looks like you um, made some pretty big adjustments to the north side and gave it its own district. So what was the thought about that? Well, from um, different conversations, because we didn't get, honestly, we didn't get a lot of um, uh, public participation, but from the conversations we did have um, and what we knew about it being the new Americans and those areas, they were, again, they felt like the shared interest, the reality that there are things that they have um, concerns about that perhaps District B or even A don't necessarily see as, as um, you know, top on their issues or things that they would push for their local representative to, to champion. So it just seems to have made sense that the languages, the churches, the things that they kind of center around anyway and coalesce around would would perhaps be something that we don't take from them, but actually lean in and try to keep intact for that particular district because it is uh, diversified, we'll say, in terms of the different languages, the different cultures, and the shared interest that they feel a representative, a representative of their choosing could better champion for them. So yeah, it does even see on the map that it does that probably stands out the most as a district that kind of the lines seem to have been moved around to try to accommodate those those requests and at least the concerns that we were seeing. Dustin, can you hear me? You're, you're muted. Ah, yes. <laughs> See here, I, I, you know, two years into using oh. Zooms and uh, I still do that to myself every now and then. So, uh, so Jason, we're moving over to the Eastwood portion of the map. Um, and uh, what, you know, you know, but this is like Eastwood, Sedgwick, Lincoln Park and the Salt Springs area, actually where I live. Um, this is actually kind of a big change. This used to break this up vertically and you kind of centralized it and went horizontal with it. What, what was some of the thought process behind that? 
Sure. So um, as I said before, there was kind of like a domino effect. So when we got to this side of the map, um, a lot of the public comments were uh, getting Sedgwick and Eastwood together. Um, our public meeting that was at Henniger a couple of weeks back, um, the residents from Lincoln Hill, for instance, were in a different district than their neighbors across from Teal. Um, they went to the same parks, they shopped at the same centers. They wanted to be together. So when we got to this portion, it, it made a lot of sense. Let's see what we can do if we can keep these guys all together. And so we, we got Sedgwick into Eastwood and then to fill out the rest of the population to get to that sweet spot again of that 29,900, uh, we went south towards uh, on the other side of Erie Boulevard and we caught that, uh, um, that portion of Salt Springs. And we noticed through the census data that there is another um, population uh, or a higher concentration of population of African-Americans. We wanted to keep um, that neighborhood together instead of splitting up that neighborhood. So starting from over to, let's see here, Oak Street and going east and then south to Salt, to salt Springs got us to that, um, that number we were looking for, that 29,900, where we got like neighborhoods together, lots of diversity, and it, it's a contiguous uh, rectangular shaped um, district. So, and then uh, of course, uh, Jacqueline, we're gonna, you're gonna get the final district here, uh, District E, uh, the University neighborhood, uh, Scott Home, Meadowbrook, Outer Comstock, South Campus, and of course, the main campus. Uh, you know, it looks like this was a, a district designed to, to keep the university in one neighborhood instead of being broken up into two, two different neighborhoods. What, what was the thought process going into District E here? Uh, well, just that, because they have their shared interest kind of comes around that whole university area, the, uh, the students, the, the population is there. Uh, the one or two people that did come and at least the comments that I was at least receiving was more like we share more interest and more concern about what's going on in this area, in this neck of the woods, uh, in and around that university area. Uh, even as far as this churches and the shopping and things that go on up here, we don't necessarily go down and to areas like District A and those areas. We actually, they didn't say seclusion, but they stay to their areas and to themselves and the arts build festivals and all of that. So it's, um, and it only seemed almost like a no brainer that you try to not kind of spread them out because should they have concerns and they're talking to whomever their district leader is, uh, their uh, political leader, it's going to be centered around something that we may or may not be able to relate to because yes, we know the colleges there and the university issues, but they're not something that a lot of us share because we're down into the other neighborhoods and um, you know, and not in so transitory because the other concern was that the students that are transitory, that they're there until they finish. What if anything do they know about the other districts that they're in because they're just you know, they're back and forth to school and they're focused in on whatever's going on in college. 
So uh, it, in that regard, it seemed to be, again, the right thing to do and almost will still lean in, of course, on what they want to say or if they have any concerns, but it seemed to make sense at this time to kind of center their issues in that community. Right. Uh, so um, this is, you know, what we've been sharing is your draft map. And now there's a process coming forward now. I mean, that's one of the things about this uh, independent redistricting commission, public input is um, there's tons of opportunity for public input. So Jason, what's next? Well, how, how, you know, this is a draft map. It's not your final map. What, are, what are we, what, what comes next? So now, um, now we can actually not only listen, but also help answer questions. We're our first round of five meetings were us just listening, getting as much information as possible. Now it's coming down to, here's our map specifically, what do you think? What does your street look like? What does your neighborhood look like? Um, did we get it wrong? Did we get it right? <laughs> um, and we wanna hear. So it'll be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday next week. And uh, we'll take a little break for Memorial weekend. And then we'll, we'll finish up with two more uh, public meetings after that. And Jacqueline, you know, what are you hoping to hear from the public? Uh, you know, obviously this isn't final. That's why it's called a draft. So what are the changes that you're looking, uh, you know, what are the, what or I guess I should say, what kind of input are you looking for to decide what kind of changes you wanna make before putting your final maps out? Um, well, we'd certainly like to hear as much as nice, being nice is great. We'd like to hear the criticisms and certainly the, um, the fact-based concerns, um, things that we might not have considered. Maybe we've heard it, but it wasn't, it wasn't um, standing out to us. Now that somebody, you know, people are visual and now once they get to see it, um, we even allow a portion of time that they'll get to point it out or put a sticky or whatever they need to do without def defacing the map, but being able to be interactive and hear how it would affect if that park doesn't get to stay there or if that park is there, but the school isn't. So um, we're hopeful that now the public will, now that they'll have something visual, they'll get to really be able to envision themselves in that space and um, what they do or even don't like about it. And then of course, based on something, fact-based, something as the why, because we're there for the why. If, if you like it, why? If you, if you don't, why? So that we can um, you know, go back to the drawing board or perhaps just shift something because it made sense based on their logic. So I'm gonna share the screen one more time to talk, because you did talk about the, uh, the three meetings that are coming up uh, next week, um, you know, starting Sunday, May 22nd at Westcott Community Center, and then Monday, May 23rd at the CISO Community Center, and then Tuesday, May 24th at PSA LA Flower, Fowler, and then you're going to take a break from Memorial Day, and then you'll announce a couple more meetings uh, after that. So Jason, um, talk to me a little bit, you know, about, you know, you're, sp you're going to spread these meetings out, and then and then what? After these five meetings, what's the next step after that? Yeah, we'll see um, what what changes we 
um, should make or um, shouldn't make. Well, well, if we have to start from scratch again, or if they're simply moving in a block over east or west, um, we'll, we'll see what the public has to say. Uh, we will then come up with another draft map. And from there, we will release that as well. And then we'll have two more sessions. So that'll be in June, um, dates to be determined, but it'll be one meeting north of 690, one meeting south of 690 to hopefully get um, the final fine tune um, map questions, concerns, changes, anything possible uh, that we can possibly do. We'll, we're gonna listen to it and we're gonna see if we can do it um, within the law, of course. <laughs> and then uh, hopefully in July, we can then give our final map to the um, Common Council who will then vote on it. If they vote yes, hooray, we're good. It'll go into effect in 2023. If they vote no, uh, they can't make any changes. It comes back to us for us to make changes. And then we will kind of play that dance back and forth. Um, hopefully not, since this uh, is the public's map. We're the 15 people, but it's the public's map. It's the Syracuse, the city of Syracuse citizens map. And we're hoping um, whatever we come up with as a final, as a final draft, that uh, it does get accepted. So we shall see. Yeah, that's and that's a great point, Jason and uh, Jacqueline. I would love you to expand on that. The the Common Council has to vote to accept the map, or they can send it back to you. But they, unlike the county legislature, unlike the New York State legislature, they can't actually touch this. They they have to send it back to you to to make changes if you want to make changes. So how important was it for you uh, as a commission member to know that the work that you're doing is going to be the work that goes into this map, that you're not going to be overruled by a, a political body? It's, it's empowering and it, it also has a real moment because it makes us that much more committed to almost like a politician to truly do the work of the people um, and they their voices do matter, you know, as opposed to sometimes you don't feel heard. Uh, and so you get before the body of a common council who, again, they represent all facets of the, all pieces of the city, but they only get to look over what the work is that we've already kind of committed to do, knowing that we have interacted with the public it's, um, you know, it, it's humbling because they will now get to see what citizens do. And this is citizens in action. You know, what we actually do, what the vote actually meant to us when we did get this proposition to be able to, you know, do this kind of work, which is this, this, whole, this whole redistricting piece, just to have a part of it and being on the right side of it is, is certainly humbling and it is our intent to do so. Um, you know, there are some of us that didn't know what other districts were going through or what their concerns were. And now we all kind of get a, a bird's eye view of each of the districts and what the living lived experiences are. So it, it, we're, we're hopeful, we are, we're determined. Um, and we wanna come out with the best, you're not gonna please everybody, but it really is an interactive map, so we're living that experience. Well, Jacqueline, Jason, 
thank you so much, not just for coming on this little program, but all the work you've done. I know you've put in a year of your life and I don't think we mentioned this. You don't get paid for this. This is volunteer. You're doing this on your own. Um, and, and not only are, are, is a volunteer, you're barred from running in these districts for five years. You can't, if you, if you had political aspirations, you, could, you, you couldn't um, do this. So you're really doing it you know, for the good of the citizens of Syracuse and the good of democracy. And I want to thank you. And I thank the entire commission. But again, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, um, for doing this work. It's the public's map. They're going to have their input. I'm pro I'll probably have something to say at the meetings too because I can't keep my mouth shut. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm a Syracuse <laughs> resident. So, uh, you know, but I got to tell you, um, I'm just, I'm so proud of what you guys have done and, and ladies and, and, and just in, in all the work that you put into this. So thank you again. Thank you, Duncan. Yeah, thank you. And uh, so, uh, and next week, uh, I will have on my uh, program, Jessica Hess of the Syracuse Women's March. Uh, we'll be talking about the, uh, the possible ending of Roe v. Wade and the protections for uh, abortion that might be coming down from the Supreme Court uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, we'll talk about the draft uh, memo that was, uh, or the draft ruling that was released and how that is energized her movement and her uh, organization and what they are doing um, to get people involved. So I hope you tune in for that. I also hope that you keep yourself safe by remembering that, you know, COVID-19 is still out there. It's in fact, you know, at very high transmission rates in our county, one of the highest in the nation. So please uh, get vaccinated. Please wear your mask indoors. Uh, it's optional, it's, it's not by law, but you know, if you wear an N95 or a KN95 mask, it's proven to have to protect yourself and protect your own family. Uh, the, the more we can end this transmission, the better we can get on with our lives and get back to something approaching normal maybe this summer. So consider that and thank you so much to my guests and thank you so much for you for being here. Bye-bye. Uh,